God bless you if you're at Gospel Baptist in your Sunday school hour. You would turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter. Now, while you're turning, uh, since you and I have seen each other last, my wife and I celebrated our 58th wedding anniversary. And, oh, no, just, just saying that to you. Just, uh, and you know what we did on our anniversary day? We were driving down 75, headed to an International Fellowship of Fundamental Baptist Preachers meeting on our anniversary. Now, before you feel bad about that, there's a, let's just say for sake of argument, there's 7 billion people in the world. So that means about 3.5 billion women. And out of that 3.5 billion women, there's a lot of them have been married a number of years. But think, how many of those women on their anniversary got to go down 75 to a preacher's fellowship? Probably not very many. That made it very special, right? You know, Judy said she said she married me for my brains. She said it's the little things in life that mean a lot. <laughs> On our wedding anniversary, Judy came up to me and she said, Don, she used to call me King, and somewhere along the line that stopped. <laughs> but uh, she said, I have kept a secret from you all these years. I said, Really? She said, yes. And she had a little box, and she said, this secret is in this box. And I said, well, what's in there? She said, well, I don't want to tell you. It's a secret. And promise me you won't look. Now, what's a guy supposed to say? So uh, one day, not long after that, she was off on a little shopping spree with one of our daughters probably. And I was around the house just fiddling around, and I came across that box. So my first thought was, are you going to look? And my second thought was, yes. <laughs> and I opened that box up, and in the box, there were four eggs and $300. Thinking, what kind of secret is that? So when she got home, I said, Judy, while you were gone, I found that box. She said, you didn't look, did you? And I said, well, yes, I did. And I said, but really, I, I'm a little perplexed about it. In that box, there were four eggs and $300. What does that mean? She said, Don, when we got married and you started preaching, she said, I decided every time you preached a bad sermon, I was going to put an egg in the box. Well, I got to thinking, I've been married 58 years and four eggs, that's not bad. And I said, well, Judy, what's the $300? She said, well, every time I got a dozen, I sold them. <laughs> now, that'll let the air out of your balloon quick. When I was coming down here this morning, I came to a, a stop sign. I looked over, and there's this big billboard. You probably have seen this billboard. And the billboard said, Roe v. Wade is dead, so babies can live. And I knew who put that up, because you've had other billboards up there, Gospel Baptist Church under the leadership of Pastor Bill. And uh, what a blessing that was. And then I made the curve, and I was come, uh, the, the turn, I was coming down by San Carlos Park. And there was a, a parade of golf carts. And there must have been, it was less than 10. And they had flags coming out of them. And uh, some of them had big flags, some of them had little flags, had people on them. They were having a little parade because today is the anniversary of 9 11, when there was a number of people who were killed in those uh, towers in New York City. By the way, one of the men in our church. Uh, was a hero on that day. He was in the Marine Corps, and he knew what had happened as soon as it happened. And so he ran and got his 
uniform, which he was already out of the military, but he kept his uniform. A Marine always keeps their uniform. A Marine, not as lean, not as mean, but always a Marine. And so uh, he went and put that uniform on, went down to New York City, and he said, U.S. Marines, U.S. Marines, and he was looking for people, and he got in the basement of one of those buildings that fell, and actually, and another fellow helped him, they pulled a, a security guard out. And uh, they even made a movie about this guy, David Carnes. But today is 9-11. Have you ever been to Hawaii? And, and if you go to Hawaii, uh, when I went there for the first time, you go down to the USS Arizona. And when you go out there, that's uh, where the Arizona is, but they show you a little film before you go out there. And the day that we were attacked by the Japanese, and this guy, and I'm thinking, this guy's probably given this speech, I don't know how many times, but when he got to this part, now, fellas, he said, when you go out there, I want you to walk over to the side, and he told us which side, and you will see a little oil glop come to the surface, and it will dissipate. And he said, with tears in his eyes and a quiver in his voice, he said to me, that is an omen of the tears of the boys buried in that watery grave saying, please don't forget us. And I'm thinking, here's a guy who's given this speech numbers of times and he's still stirred up about it. But they were saying, he was saying, they're saying, don't forget us. That sort of fits in good with what I'm going to speak to you about for a few minutes here today in uh, Second Peter. In Second Peter, Second uh, Peter obviously was written by Peter. I've gotten impressed with the Apostle Peter in just the last little while. Peter was one of those guys, someone said that his mouth was shaped like a foot because he was always putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, nobody ever uh, talked to Jesus more, no disciple did than he did. None of them were more corrected by Jesus than Peter was. Peter even one day tried to correct Jesus. Oh, that's never going to happen to you, which was a bad mistake for him to make on his part. Uh, he was a guy that, uh, actually, Peter was a brilliant man. He was uh, asked more questions about Jesus. He had more intercourse. People, his life interacted with the Lord Jesus. He was sought by his brother Andrew, who first findeth his own brother Simon. And I would that we had more Andrews in our churches today who are always looking for their brothers or new people to become their brothers. Uh, he was saved by the Lord. Uh, when the Lord met him, changed his life. You're Simon, you're going to be called Cephas. And then he was told by the Lord, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired thee that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee. And when thou art converted, I want you to, when you get turned back around, I want you to strengthen the brethren. And then nobody denied publicly more brazenly than Peter did. He denied the Lord, I don't know him. And then he cursed and said, I don't know him. He quit the ministry, you know, saying, I don't know him. And then nobody ever had the opportunity to more boldly and publicly confess who Jesus Christ was. Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. You got that from the Father. And then he said one day very publicly in front of the disciples when Jesus asked him the question, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And three times he said, you know I love thee. 
What's interesting about that, now that's after all that denial and all those kinds of things, and Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then he said, feed my sheep. And the third time he said, feed my sheep. And so Second Peter, as well as first, is part of what the Lord Jesus commanded Peter to do. Now, when Peter, on the day of Pentecost, still with the Holy Ghost, preached and 3,000 people got saved, baptized, and added to the church. And then just a, a few chapters in the book of Acts, uh, Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, down at the temple, was explaining what happened when that, when that lame man, who Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man leaped up. And walked, went into the temple with Peter and John, praising God. And uh, so he got to speak by the Spirit of God again. Now, here in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, these are eight chapters where Peter, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, uh, is teaching, feeding the lambs, and feeding the sheep. Now, the last verse of chapter 1 of this text says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, when the Bible talks about, for all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. These two verses, 2 Timothy 3 and 2 Peter chapter 1, are two of the most important Verses in the Bible on inspiration. And this verse in 2 Peter 1 tells us that all Bible books have two authors. One is they have a human author. In this case, it's Peter. In John, it would be John. In Paul's letters, Paul and so forth. But the second author is a divine author. The Bible says, holy men of old spake. That would be Peter in this context as they were moved, borne along, carried along, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. There's an interesting thought about the Holy Ghost in the Bible with regard to being moved. The first time that expression is found in the Bible is in, second, it was in Genesis chapter 1, uh, when the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He moved in creation. And then in the life of of Samuel in the book of Judges, that he, the Spirit of God moved in the camp between Dan and Estiel upon, upon Samson. He moved him in motivation. And then the third one is here, in what I just read to you, the Spirit of God moved in inspiration. And the Spirit of God inspired Peter to write this epistle. Now, this epistle is a great epistle. Uh, the Bible says, beginning at verse 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. If ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, this is a great little thought. Peter said, I will not be negligent. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, 
and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by way, putting you in remembrance. And then in verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. May it please the reading, the Holy Ghost of God, and the who touched the wherever settled in heaven word of God. And may he bless his teaching in the Sunday school hour today. And would you pray with me and for me, please? And may I give you three quick facts about God, though. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Dear Lord, would you let us be a blessing? Thank you for what Pastor Bill said a while ago, and what the Bible says today. May you bless in the Sunday school time and all the classes here today and at Winkler as well. And may you bless the preaching services today. May the Lord be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is Peter saying, I want to put you in remembrance of some things. I want you to remember some things that you know. You know, there's a lot of things we go to church that you hear that you already know. But you need to know them again. Repetition aids learning. And when you hear it and hear it again, and uh, when you read it and read it again, so that you get this down into your heart. As your pastor said just moments ago, it's, gonna, it's worse, bad now, but it's going to get worse. And uh, we need to have some things in remembrance. We need to remember some things. We need to know who's in charge and remember who's in charge. I'm not in charge. Biden's not in charge. Uh, Donald Trump was not in charge. You know, God's in charge. And uh, it's a good thing that he is because everybody else lets us down. You know, every dispensation in the Bible ended in failure. Even the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign, Jesus sitting on the throne, is going to end when Satan is loosed from his 1,000-year jaunt in the pit, and he's loosed to try to deceive the nations again. And uh, what all that means is nothing that man tries and puts into effect works. And then one day there will be a, a, a day when the Satan will be cast into the lake of fire where the beast and false prophet are. And there will be a great white throne ju judgment. And then the second death, whoever's not found written in the book of life, will be cast into the lake of fire. And then there will be new heavens and a new earth. And then eternity sets in. And there won't be any more of those failure times. And Peter is saying, look, I want to put you in remembrance. It's bad. And uh, this know also that in the last day, perilous times shall come. It's going to get worse. Evil men shall wax, wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And Peter's saying, I want you to remember some things. Now, he said, if you'll remember these things, you'll never be barren. That would be a good thought, wouldn't it? Never be barren. You'll never be land that is just dormant, never had a plow in it, never raised anything. You'll never be unfruitful. If you have these things, you'll never be barren. You'll never be unfruitful. If you have these things, you won't be blind so that you can't see afar off. And uh, you won't be uh, forgetful, forgetting that you were purged from your old sins. And if you, if you do these things, he said, you'll never fall. That's a great thought, isn't it? Uh, in the same book, your pastor alluded to Lot, who vexed his righteous soul from day to day in, in seeing and hearing their unlawful deeds. He, he just vexed himself. And uh, because of what he saw and what he heard, and uh, he was a just man, the Bible says. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know that if God didn't tell us that. 
You read about Lot, and we took the vote at the end. How many of you think he was a saved man? We probably would say, no, he wasn't. But God here in this book says he was a just man. For the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of, out of temptation. He knows how to deliver them, uh, those that belong to him. But you and I, if we're not careful, we can vex our righteous soul as well. In daily hearing and seeing, I certainly don't like everything I see. And I don't like everything I hear. Things that maybe are not of my choosing that just go on in the world. That just, uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you ever watched the news on TV and wanted to shoot the screen? If you didn't want to shoot it, you wanted to kick it or turn it off or do something. Now, we, didn't, we don't turn it off, but we probably ought to turn it off. Uh, but nonetheless, it's what comes out at us. And it's so subtle. I mean, they can't even have a problem without some, I mean, have a program without somebody going into somebody's house, you know, drink. And they're not talking about tea or coffee for the most part. They're talking about something that would be alcoholic in content. And it's so subtle how they, it, they're trying to sell you that the idea that it belongs. And it doesn't belong. Especially not in life. Who, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. There are a lot of people not wise in the world. So he is saying that Lot was like that. Now, the Bible is saying, if you will add to you your, your faith these things. Now, I skipped on purpose. What are these things? I mean, if these things will keep us from, so that we won't be barren and we won't be unfruitful and we won't be blind and we won't forget and then we could have an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. Pray tell, what are these things? Well, we don't have to guess about it. Peter is telling us that uh, in the opening verses of this chapter, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he said, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now hear what these things are. And beside this, now, he has given us some wonderful things. As a matter of fact, you might see in verse 4 what he has given us. He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Isn't God a great giver? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now he's saying, you have your faith. Uh, the kind of faith that you and I have, the same kind of faith that Peter had. In our day, they're talking about we have a two-tiered system of justice. We have one-tiered justice for those up there in D.C. or associated there, and then we have another tier justice for ordinary folks like us. And some people might be tempted to think, well, I could never do anything like the Apostle Peter. The truth is, you and I are probably a whole lot more like Peter than we'd want to believe. And... Uh, we could have everything that he has. We have the same like faith that he had. He got in by grace through faith. You get in by grace through faith. And uh, he had ups and downs in his life. You and I have ups and downs in our life. But he said, I want you to give all diligence. Now, the idea of giving all diligence is don't dilly-dally. Be in a hurry. They asked this one little kid, son, how old are you? He said, well, I'm 12, going on 13, soon to be 14. 
You know, a kid like who's 12 going on 13, soon to be 14, he wants to grow up quick, doesn't he? Would that we would want to grow up quicker, that we would grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here are the seven things that he says, if you'll add these to your faith. Now, this is what he is talking about in getting at verse number five. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, all of these are simple kinds of things. You don't have to be educated. Uh, you don't have to be many talented kind of person. You don't have to have a super IQ. He is saying to us, if you'll add, now God has given you salvation. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, in Philippians chapter 2, work out your own salvation. Now, the next verse says, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Salvation is a gift from God. Everybody understands that, don't they? You don't work for it. You don't work it up. When God gives it to you, he said, now I want you to work out your salvation. Uh, James sort of said like this, you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Uh, if it's just inside you, nobody will know you have it. You know, when they brought that man into Jesus, and the Bible says, and when Jesus saw their faith, what's faith look like? What color is it? What size is it? What's its shape? What does it weigh? Your faith is really what you believe, and what you believe is really what you do. Now, we're not saved by doing. We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, God has given us salvation. It would be like this. God says, I have given you a gold mine. Now you work it out. Spurgeon said it like this. God gives to every bird their food. But he doesn't throw it in the nest. They got to go look for it. And gather it. And eat it. God is saying, I have given you a gold mine. Now you work it out. Now, wouldn't it be awful to have a gold mine, never work it out? And then to die, as it were, a pauper when you had a gold mine? And you wouldn't go in and dig out any of the nuggets, look for any of the veins of gold in there? You know, when God gave us salvation, he has given us everything you need. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, now ye are complete in Christ. To be complete in Christ means you have everything you need in Christ. If you need it, God's given it to you. If he hasn't given it to you, you don't need it. And all things are given unto us by Christ. Now he said, now look, you have, you have faith. It's your faith. Add to your faith. What are you going to add to your faith? Virtue. Virtue is like Moral strength. It's like having moral excellence. It's like doing what's right. God said, I want you to add that. And then I want you to add to that knowledge. The Bible, in this very chapter, he talks about the knowledge of God and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What could you add about the knowledge of God? 
Well, do you know everything about God? Well, that's pretty broad. Let me ask it this way. Do you know anything about God? Can you know something about God? You can know everything about God that he wants you to know because it's in the Bible. And to go beyond that is maybe to be headed, to go beyond truth, you might go into error. God wants us to have a knowledge of God. He wants you to study the book, think in the book, act in the book, read the book, hear the book, obey the book. And when you get in the Bible, one of my preacher friends started school years ago, Les Olala. He and I went to school uh, at the same time back in the 60s. And one of the things that he did in his school, he had the students to write a biography of God. Now, that meant this. You take a blank piece of paper, you just put it on there, God. And everything you learn about God when you're reading the Bible, write it down. God is holy. God is love. God is whatever it is. You get the idea? So just when you're reading through the Bible, you uh, write down what you know about God. And then not only the knowledge of God, but the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, God has given us richly all things to enjoy, and he wants us to understand and enjoy the riches of who Jesus Christ is. Now, this is very important because the Bible says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath a Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, God wants you to know who Jesus Christ is and what he is to you and what he can do for you. For example, where is he right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, what's he doing? He's making intercession for us. Those are good things to know. He is our advocate at the right hand of the Father. And he makes intercession for us. So you add knowledge. You know, I came across a great verse in Proverbs 16, verse 20. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good because he trusteth in thee. When I saw that verse, I thought, man, if I could just handle a matter wisely. And the way you handle a matter wisely, is what does the Bible say about it? I thought, if I just knew how to handle Judy wisely, I would find good. Now, now I'm being serious. If I knew how to handle my four children wisely, now they're all grown now. But when I saw the verse, it was a number of years ago. If I just knew how to handle them wisely, if I knew how to handle my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren, if I knew how to handle the members of Winkle Road Baptist Church, he that handles no matter wisely shall find good. Now, that doesn't mean that you just fly off the handle and do what you want to do and say what you want to say when you want to say it. You get in a lot of trouble like that. So he is saying, I want you to add to you virtue knowledge. And knowledge of the Bible, knowledge of people. Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. Then he said, you add to your faith virtue, add knowledge, and then you add temperance. Temperance was a, it's a fruit of the spirit. Uh, he that striveth must be temperate. You know, if you're going to be an athlete or try to be an athlete and you want to improve your game, one of the things you're going to have to do is practice temperance. Temperance means there'll be some things that you're not going to do. There are going to be some things you're not going to eat, some things you're not going to drink. There may be some things that you will do. There will be some disciplines in your life so you can be temperate if you want to be able to win the prize. And don't you want to be able to win the prize? The grace, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
Do you want to go to heaven and empty handed? No soul with you to bring to cast before the Lord. I want that person. Now I realize one man sows, another reaps. God gives the increase. We understand that. But if you're going to be temperate, you want to be careful. Paul said, I don't want to become a castaway. Now, he wasn't saying he wanted to lose his salvation. He was saying, I don't want God to put me on the shelf. I want to be used of God as long as I'm able to be used of God. And so you add, the Bible says, temperance. And the temperance, patience. Now, patience is not someone who said, well, I'm not going to do anything, so I don't have to worry about being impatient. It's not that. This is not a passive kind of thing. It's an active kind of thing that you want to be patient. Now, uh, you know, patience is one of those tricky little things. You want to be careful when you ask God for patience because he might put you in some situations where you're going to have an opportunity to see if you got it or not. Uh, it's not necessary that you pray for it, but you do want to be a patient person. And then he said to add the patience, godliness. How many times the Bible talks about godliness? Godliness, that's things that you do that would make somebody think of God. God is gracious. God is long-suffering. God is compassionate. Uh, God does a number of things that ought to be in your life. Now, there are people that they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. He said, turn away from those people. But God wants you to be a, a godly person. And then he said, add brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is like a Philadelphia kind of kindness. Philadelphia, from which we get the word uh, phileo, it is a, a brotherly kind of love. Uh, you know, there are some people it's easy to be kind to. And there are some people, they just don't want you to be kind to them. I tell people, and I've told my family, I've told our church, I love everybody, but I don't necessarily like everybody. You understand that? But you want to be kind to everybody. And uh, some people may walk in the store and you say, how you doing? They got a big smile on their face. I'm doing wonderful, great. And you say, well, I'm glad you're here. But the truth is, they may be in their hearts saying, oh, please, please be patient with me. I'm so fat, fragile. I'm just liable to fall apart any moment now. Be kind to me. Everybody needs to be kind to. And then the last one, he said, add charity. Uh, this is God's kind of love. Now about a faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now, all seven of those things, you might ask yourself, how am I doing in any of those? He said, I want you to add to your faith these things. Now, it's not you go to one and you stay there until you get that one, can't go to the next one. It's not like rungs on a ladder. It's like links in a chain. You wanna, it's like you want to do all of these things. And if you do these things, you'll never be barren. You'll never be blind. You'll never be unfruitful. You'll never forget. Don't you want that to be true in your life? And he said, God wants me to put you in remembrance. I want to stir you up to remembrance. Do you go to church ever to get stirred up? Do you hope Pastor Bill doesn't stir you up today? When you take medicine that has liquid to it, usually it's something mixed with something else, and on those bottles it usually says, shake well before using. Stir it up. And uh, the Bible says, stir up the gift of God that is within you. We ought to be stirred. He said, if these things will be in you, what a blessing.
Lord, thank you for the way people listen today. And may you bless the reading of the word of God and looking at those verses. Would you help us and bless us? I pray, Lord, for Pastor Bill as he stands in just a few moments for the singing and then the preaching of the word of God, that it would be a wonderful day at Gospel Baptist Church today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.